everybody and welcome back. I am Kylie Nicole and I'm a medium in Perth in WA. I am talking to you about the Empowered Path program at the moment because it's a course that I've designed. It's a six-week online course that I've designed to help heart-centered and holistic women to take their place and get their own businesses up and running so that they're not giving the best of themselves into a corporate or a, a workspace that doesn't honor them. So part of that has led to this question and it was actually a really good one. Someone said to me, Kylie, how do I know what my sole purpose is? How do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? I've never I've never found out something that I'm passionate about. I've never discovered my my place. And I thought, yeah, that's a really good question because we all deal with this. At some point we all have to go, what do I want to be doing? What makes me happy? Like where do I think I can shine or where do I add value? And Sometimes it's different because in a holistic space, quite often, you know, what modality is yours or what you want to be, where you're most comfortable, what you want to be known for within your modality. So for me, mediumship is the obvious one because I've been talking to spirits since I was five. There's really not much. There's no question about it for me. It's where I find a lot of fulfillment and deep joy and where I'm making the most impact in the most profound ways. And it's something that I truly love. So because I've been doing that my whole life, I didn't even think about anything else that I could be doing or what else would I like to be doing. So it was a pretty straightforward path for me. But I know a lot of other people don't come to their spiritual self until later in life where they don't know what they actually want to be doing at all. Whether, you know, you don't have to have a, a spiritual based business um, just because you're a heart centered or a holistic type of woman. Sometimes the mainstream business is run by a heart centered or holistic woman but you'll, you may still not know what it is that you want to be doing. So I thought for the session, we could do a little bit of a deep dive into that and see what comes up. <laughs> okay, so let's do this. Now, I think the first thing that is important to know when you're making a decision like this is who you are, because if you don't know who you are and how you work, you're not really going to know where you want to be. So that first that first step on its own is overwhelming because we feel all of this pressure to suddenly know who we are. And that's like an existential crisis just waiting to happen. It doesn't need to be. What I mean by that, I just mean, are you somebody who, do you hyper-focus? Do you get really obsessive around thinking? Are you very intense that way? Or are you more are you more in the lighter side of things where you want to pick things up and put things down quite quickly and you don't want to have to like... You know, so, you know, when you're at school and, you know, you have an exam coming up, are you someone who studies a little bit every day over a month? Or are you somebody who crams the entire month's work into the last 10 minutes of the day and hopes for the best? <laughs> Both are okay. It's just which one you prefer, how you prefer to work. Some people love working under pressure and that's their jam. And other people like to have a more structured approach. So you need to know that about yourself. You need to know what it is, how you like working what kind of, what your attention span is like. There's no point in trying to set yourself targets where you have to be hyper-focused or super dedicated for, you know, 10, 12 hours at a time when your attention span is about 30 seconds on a hot day. So <laughs> you have to work to your strengths and that's why you have to know who you are. I don't mean in terms of like the existential stuff. I just mean how you work, how you want to work, what works for you, where your quirks are, where you find joy, all of those things. So that's a really good place to start. And please don't feel like that is the overwhelming thing. It's not. Just go, okay, do I want to do, you know, do I want to work part-time hours, full-time hours? Do I want to have stuff that I need to really hyper-focus on and push for? So um, 
maybe project-based things where it's really intense for short periods of time and then I can take a break? Or do I want something that is more ongoing and more chilled, more structured? Or do I want to have two or three different projects on a go or two different three, two or three different stream, streamlined aspects of my business on the go at any one time so I can jump between them, keep things interesting? You need to know that kind of thing about yourself. You should probably also have an idea of how social you are. I mean, do you like people? <laughs> I know that is an ever-changing uh, scale of probability and I get that, but you're either going to be like... I want to say anthropomorph. Yeah, I didn't think I should go for it. <laughs> Anthropology, um, obviously, being all about people and interested in people, and then the word that I'm looking for that I can't say, which I'm I'm going to stop talking about right now. Uh, but you're either that way inclined or you're not. So you either want to be around people all the time, and you buzz being around the right kind of person, and you want to be in that social engagement space all the time, or you really don't. Maybe you'd rather be behind the scenes and setting things up in like a done-for-you prospect so you just hand it over and people can run off and do it by themselves. If It depends on, on what you're doing and, and how, I guess, what kind of people you want to work with, which is also a huge thing to, to be very clear about. Who are your ideal clients? Because I guess knowing who your ideal clients are will answer that question for you in terms of whether or not you're social. So some of them are like a, a domino effect, but that's okay. Start somewhere, right? Getting started is better than being perfect. So I think, and again, you can be social. You can be selectively social. You can decide that you want some of that, some of that um, people, peopleness, <laughs> some of that, that human contact. Um, and you can also decide that you would like to structure some of your business to take you away from that so that you don't have to be that person all the time. There is no right or wrong answer. It is literally what you prefer for you. The other one, which is pretty important, is do you prefer to work on your own or do you want to be part of a team? Are you more autonomous? Do you like to make decisions on the fly? Do you like to take that risk? Or are you someone who would like to bounce ideas around with team members and colleagues, uh, use other people's experiences, have that sort of guidance there for you, and also you know, share the burden and obviously share the glory? What do you prefer? So a lot of us can bounce from an autonomous aspect to a, a teamwork-based aspect as required. We don't always have to be one way or the other. But like for me, I'm, I don't like being micromanaged. I, do, I will happily accept the risk of being autonomous and I will go off and do my own thing. And that's been my, my whole pattern through both my mediumship and also my corporate career before this and always has been. So I've always been very clear on the fact that I will make decisions on the fly. I don't want to have to keep checking in with people and I will accept any risk and responsibility that comes with making those decisions. And again, just depends on, on what's comfortable for you. Then actually also with teamwork, if you're getting your own business up and running, sometimes teamwork comes with a price tag attached to it as well. So you need to be in a position to be able to support that, which may not come until a little bit later on in your business, but it's still good to know if that's what you're aiming for long term. And also there's all, there's a glass ceiling on what you can do yourself. So if you have a team working underneath you, that glass ceiling is exponentially higher. Right. So the other one I'd written down were, are you plans orientated or are you more spontaneous? And that kind of goes with that first one as well about um, whether you are more structured or whether you like to kind of make things on, like make decisions on the fly and just feel your way through interactions. 
I think if your plan's orientated, you need to have something that you're achieving on a daily, if not weekly basis, because you need to know that you're moving forward within your business and you need to know that you're hitting these milestones. If your plan's orientated, you're probably going to be a list person and a graph person and you're probably going to be quite numbers focused uh, because numbers, you can't manipulate numbers. Numbers are very clear. They're black and white. Like You're either doing well or you're not doing well. So... If, you're, if you like to have that kind of structure around you, then those are the things where you'll find comfort. You'll like the repetitive nature of things. And you'll want to implement that into your own business because that's what will make you feel safe. Whereas if you're more spontaneous, then I'd expect you to be more on the creative side. You're going to want to breathe life into new events and new products and do that with two seconds thought and advertise something, sell it before it's even done. And you're going to be wanting to teach things and play with things and get different perspectives from different people and not really have a not really have a predictability around it so it's not something you may not be someone who has like a workshop on every week or a class on every week or something where it has to happen every week but you might plan big events or big yeah let's call them events but workshops events anything like that you might plan you know big launches or events things like that um every few months maybe that's more your your happy place. Maybe you like that that planning and presenting aspect rather than having the structure and the long-term um, predictability. Those, knowing whether your plans, plans orientated or spontaneous is what kind of dictates how you run your business and how it's structured for you, but also for your team if you've decided to go down that way. And it's important to think about them too when you're making these decisions because it's very, very hard to be a support team for a spontaneous person because you don't know the goalposts are going to change all the time and you're never going to know quite what you're aiming for unless your communication is impeccable. And that is your responsibility. But that's one of the things that can be quite hard when we're talking to our team. It's how we communicate, how we express ourselves, how we get them to see our vision and understand where they can 100% rely on us and where we're not going to be available. (laughs) So, look, it can happen and it definitely does happen, but you just have to be very good at talking about how and when and what the expectations are right from the very beginning. With that plans and spontaneity, it's also about whether you like the same thing every day or whether you want every day to be different. Um, Those two will line up for each other as well. So some people feel like if they're going to the same place every day and seeing the same people and doing the same job and and kind of hitting the same milestones and having the same conversations, they find that that is soul destroying. And some people find that that is comforting. So, you know, figure out which one you are, see what you enjoy and where that sort of sits for you. Pressure. Pressure is a big one. Depending on the environment you decide to put yourself into, you don't, or you may, (laughs) I was going to say you don't want too much pressure on you, but you may actually perform quite well under pressure. There are lots of corporate jobs where people are under pressure, whether it's time, financial, or any other kind of pressure. And sometimes people really need that to actually get going. They need that to, to push them over the finish line. Whereas... Other people would prefer to just do things when they want to and not really to be chasing a clock or having to be aware of a calendar aspect to it. Now, I know for me personally, I perform well under pressure, but I don't enjoy being there. So I will get shit done um, and I will do it at a moment's notice and I will do it magically. <laughs> I'll do things that I don't even think it's it's possible to do 
but I will not enjoy the experience. I do not like being forced into a corner. I don't like feeling like I have to say no to every other thing because I have to get something done. I get resentful around that. So it's very good to know whether you like pressure, pressure's your mate, or if you want to stay away from that. It's also like when you're when you're breathing life into your business, you want to know whether you're creative or practical or if you're a 50-50 split or how that goes for you as well because some people think their business has to be done a certain way and they try and follow somebody else's pattern or they try and regulate themselves into a space that isn't something that is a natural resonance for them. And a lot of that will kill your creative or um, make your practical aspect feel vulnerable. So you, you need to know before you kind of jump right in where you sit with that as well, because for more practical people, you're not really going to want to be in a position where you're being forced to be creative or come up with things on on a fly or to be emotions-based. You'd rather be fact-based and you'd rather be uh, have that predictability and that security net um, underneath you that way. Whereas if you're creative, you're going to try different things and if something doesn't work, you're not going to be that bothered about it. You'll just chalk it up to something you've learned. And it's a good way of being, but you can also be seen as being a bit flippant or a bit unreliable as a creative. So balance in all things, but know where you sit. (laughs) I've written this note and it kind of makes me smile. Um, I've said, how long on average do you tend to stay in jobs? So I would strategically change jobs every three or four years normally, sometimes before that, but that was more not a strategic move and more because my soul was dying. Um, I'm not one to stay in the same place for, you know, like when our grandparents were working, they would stay in the same business for their entire working career sometimes. And that was considered normal. Whereas now we tend to expose ourselves to different energies, different experiences, different opportunities by bouncing around. And sometimes that's a money thing as well. Sometimes you feel like you get more from a different place or um, a new a new venture will reward your experience better. So it can be for those reasons. In this kind of field, it's more about um, where your interests lie. And a lot of us are capable of doing more than one thing or we're strong in more than one modality. So it's also good to know if you have a few different things that you can offer, it's good to know that you can jump between them if you want to, or you can just stick with one and have that as your forever thing if that's what works for you. I'm somebody who needs to have two or three different projects on the go at any one time because I do have the attention span of a dead goldfish and I like to be able to keep things interesting for myself. So it does sometimes lead to the pressure situation, which I don't like that I mentioned before, but most of the time it's okay. Most of the time it's manageable because I'm not chasing a deadline. I've just got all these things going on and they they tend to be, I'm a creative, so they tend to be um, non-ending stuff. Like At the moment, as we talk, I've got the new launch of the Powered Path on the 23rd of January. I've got a mediumship development group coming up on the 6th of February. There's a Come and Try Day that I host with the beautiful Krista from Samsara World on, I want to say, 25th of February. I want to say 25th of February, but I don't have my calendar in front of me. But I've got all that going on. I'm currently doing two other courses which are external to my my business. Um, I'm doing them to support my business, but I'm getting to wonder if I'm ever going to get those done because they've been dragging on for a few months now and I'm definitely not achieving there in the way that I thought I would. And, you know, that's another whole story. <laughs> I was going to talk into um, zones of genius and, and when to outsource something and I just thought, no, let's stick to the, the topic at hand for this particular session. 
so you know I've got I've got a few different things going on and on top of that I'm a mom and I'm a wife and you know I've got a house that I'm running and all the other stuff that everybody else does too but I like being busy I like to have those different things to jump around so that my mind can have something to jump to um, whereas my husband, he's very practical. He likes to start a job and finish a job. He's the guy who, when you have to build something, like a flat pack something, he's the one who lies out all of the the product and then checks it off on the list to make sure that he's got all of the pieces he needs before he starts. Lord, I wish I had that man's patience because I just get cracking. I don't even read the instructions half the time. I just see what I think may, might go somewhere. And I create some amazing things, often not what I'm supposed to be creating, but you know. You win some and you learn some. So, um, yeah, see what your your staying power is <laughs> as well, because that will also show you how you need to structure your business. You need to know what motivates you too. And you need to be completely honest about that because people don't want to say I'm motivated by money. They feel like that's not a, um, a spiritual way to be or a holistic thought process. But it's okay to be motivated by money. It's okay to want more from your family. It's absolutely safe for you to want more for you and your family and to be chasing abundance in all of its forms. So if that is a motivator for you, then be okay to own that. Otherwise, you're not in alignment with yourself. And again, that just makes things murky and harder to deal with and takes things longer to to turn up in your life. So just be clear on it. Um, Know what motivates you. I am very motivated by success. I'm very motivated by money. Um, but again, and as I always say, money for me is not the currency, it's the energetic exchange. I'm very keen to see what more can be done and how we can do things differently. And that all kind of comes under the money thing for me as well. But I love watching other people grow as well. So when I work with somebody and then I watch them just take off, that is such a huge motivation for me. I get such a lot from that. And those are the things that I, it's like a massive feel good button. And every time this happens, it's like someone smacks that button and everything lights up and there are bells and whistles and confetti in my head. (laughs) So anytime I hit one of those, those particular motivators, it really does keep me present. It keeps me like excited, ambitious, all of the things that I need to be to be doing what I'm doing. So it's good to know what you're aiming for in terms of your motivation this one, I um, look, I know it sounds very obvious, but you have to love what you're doing. We spend such a lot of time in a work or a business space that if we don't really love it, if it's not something that we can talk about every hour of every day to anybody who wants to listen, it can get very wearisome very quickly. So you do have to love what you're doing. And it's not just about paying the bills at the end of the day. It's about your legacy, what you're creating for yourself, what people are going to know you for, remember you for. Those are very human things. And I don't mean that in like an ego-based way. I don't mean that as in a, um, I'm so wonderful. I want the world to know who I am. Absolutely not. But you you do want the people who need to work with you to know who you are because otherwise you're not fulfilling your sole purpose. So it's okay to have that, you know, it's okay to, to love what you're doing and to want to talk about what you're doing and to want to work with those perfect people. I think you just need to own it. But if you're doing something that leaves you feeling drained, exhausted, depleted, um, any of those lower vibrational isms, then you really need to look at it because life is too short. You can have 100 years and life is too short. And don't start to, don't stop living your life to pay a bill. Don't, what's it work to live, live to work? Don't get that wrong. Honestly, it's not worth it. So if you're not happy in the situation that you're in, change it. 
you don't have to do it all at once. You can do it alongside each other or you can find another option, talk to your partners. Or if you don't have partners, talk to yourself. And actually, you should always have autonomy over these decisions anyway. But you decide what works for you and you go after it because otherwise you just burn out, you get resentful or, you know, worst case, worst case scenario, you get resentful and burn out. Best case scenario, your life becomes like Groundhog Day and you live for the weekends and the weekends go by so fast. So, you know, one and a half days out of every seven is interesting to you or rewarding to you. And when you when you translate that over into your life, if you think that 90% of your life is m- not miserable, I was about to say miserable, but if 90% of your life is obligation and only you know 10% is something that brings you joy, you've massively got that balance wrong. So you have to love what you're doing. I'm obviously passionate about that point. I can hear it in my voice. <laughs> but it is true because I've been there. I've done, you know, when I first moved to the UK when I was 17, I didn't have family there and I had to work a couple of jobs just to keep my head above water and be able to support my family. So I was doing meetings and events in the mornings. I say in the mornings during the day. So um, from seven till four or whatever it was, I was doing meetings and events for a hotel chain. And then in the evenings I was working at a pub. So I was working pretty much from 7am till about midnight every single day. And I was only 17. I had zero life. I would still find time every now and again to to be a teenager, but it definitely wasn't textbook. And I was trying to support myself and support my family and do what I needed to do in that moment. And I was also proud of the fact that I was doing that. This was never something I was obligated to do. I wanted to do it. It was never something I felt like I, I had to do. Um, there was definitely this necessity for the support, but my heart was 100% in that. And I just did it whichever way I needed to. And, you know, there have been times when I've been working corporate and then I picked up another job on the weekends to make some money to go and do something else. Like if I've decided I've wanted to do a course or I've wanted to, especially like my hobbies are around horses and horse riding. It's not cheap. And especially in the UK, it's not cheap. So I remember I was working in a kennels to pay for my riding. (laughs) And I was working a day job as well, which probably could have paid for my riding, but my money mindset was not where it needed to be at the time. So... Uh, you live and you learn. And I just think as well, it's one of those things that it's a rite of passage. You figure it out as you go. But you do have to love what you're doing because when you do, like right now, I love my mediumship. It is such a soulful, giving, beautiful place to be in. I am so honored and so grateful to be in that space every single day. I wake up so excited to see my clients. Weekends and public holidays don't mean anything to me. Half the time, I don't know what day we're in. But it's just such a, a special, precious thing to me. It, I would get so much joy from working in something that I love. And if I could give that to somebody else as a gift, I feel like it would be the greatest gift. It would be the greatest aha moment or the greatest realization I could ever give anybody is to love what you do. So, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I seem to be getting really passionate about all these points that I've written down, which surprises me because I thought this was going to be a bit of a, not a boring chat, but just something that I think because I take it for granted, I, I've done this a few times and I sort of take these points for granted. But then when I realize what the stories are behind every point that I've written down, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I remember that. I feel that in my soul. I get it. So love what you do. Don't compromise on that one thing. Do it for you. Do it for the generations of pain that you're healing by choosing yourself and doing something that brings you joy. Um, and, and again, don't compromise on that. You, The other side of that coin is knowing what makes your soul die, knowing where you feel like you're selling your soul, your soul or you're claustrophobic or you're not growing or you're looping or you're stagnant. 
what takes the joy and just sucks it right out of your life because you need to know what those are so you can stay away from them. Do you like people to know who you are? Do you like to be visible? So are you quite happy to talk about your business and to people for people to know what you're doing? And are you quite happy to introduce yourself as what you're doing? So um, like when I was doing the corporate thing, I would, you know, if people ask me what I did, I'd just be like, oh, I'm in logistics. Um, I'm a... I'm a manager in logistics, whatever. I was a, a national manager for a building company and I was handling the logistics for Australia. But I'd just be like, oh, I'm in logistics. What I wouldn't do though is tell anyone I was a medium. <laughs> so my mediumship was like my dirty little secret at that point. And it was because I felt so insecure about how, the, how other people would react to me saying something like that. And when I changed jobs when I moved away from corporate and I was running the software business in WA because I moved back over to Perth and people would ask me and I was also running my mediumship alongside the software stuff at the time and people would say to me oh what do you do for you know what, what do you do for work and I'd just be like oh well no I run a software I, I run the WA um, the WA business for a software company so you know just computer stuff and then we'd laugh about it and we'd all go in our separate ways then I lost my day job and I went into my mediumship full time. And hello world, the next time somebody asked me that question, I was like, oh, um, I'm a medium. <laughs> and there was this awkward silence and I was expecting the awkward silence. Uh, but after that, it was really cool. People were amazing about it. They were just kind of like, oh, that's so interesting. Tell us more, like explain what you do. And I felt like I could normalize the work that I'm doing through those conversations. And that was so cool. So it wasn't the dirty little secret that I thought it was. And I, you know, I spent so long hiding what I was and who I am because I didn't want the the kickback from society. And look, I won't lie. Every now and again, you get that person. But it's okay because not everyone has to believe in what you believe in. Not everyone. There's room for everybody out here. It's a big old universe and there's room for everyone. So... If someone doesn't credit what you do, uh, that's fine. And if someone doesn't believe in it, that's fine. We come to these things in our own time and you have to honor that. You have to honor that for yourself and also for the people that you come into contact with. I might not like some of the jobs that people tell me that they do. You know, I might not uh, resonate with some things or I might find them wrong or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine anything offhand <laughs> unless there was like something that was animal testing or I don't know, whatever. I might not like their particular job, but I will always understand it. And as long as it's, you know, um, something that is not criminal or damaging or it's really hard now because I've gone to the animal cruelty thing and then I'm like, oh, my God. But, you know, I don't think I've ever met anyone who tells me they torture, bunny, they torture bunnies for their work. So whatever. <laughs> I'm going to get out of my head about it. But the point I'm trying to make is I would never judge somebody based on what they do. And in my line of work, I come across all lines of work from lawyers to doctors to sex workers at times. Like there is, I don't think there is any, I mean, there's definitely going to be some people I haven't spoken to, like some industries I haven't touched on, but the majority of my clientele are so, so um, widely based across the spectrum. Like everyone, everyone is obviously different, but there's no one niche. I don't get like all the hairdressers or, or anything like that. Um, there's definitely a very huge array of, of jobs that my clients are in and I've never found anything offensive. So I don't know why I immediately think that people would find me offensive based on what I do, apart from the fact that people have very, very strong opinions about spirituality and mediumship. But then people have very strong opinions about anything. So this is a battle you're never going to win. 
and I just found that as soon as I owned, as soon as I owned it, as soon as I stepped up and took my place, the people who were interested and the right kind of people and people who I could normalize this for were the ones that were turning up and asking me the question. So intention is everything. Um, but yes, it's very good to to know where you stand with introducing yourself and what brings you joy. <laughs> um, it does become kind of part of your identity, not in the sense of like, this is all I am, it's my be all and end all, but definitely in the sense that you will have to talk about it, you will have to introduce yourself as doing something and you need to be able to own that. That all comes into the, I'd forgotten the point, but that comes into whether you're okay to be visible or if you're trying to fly under the radar. It's all about owning all aspects of you. If you prefer to fly under the radar, um, doing things that are non-people facing is probably the better option for you. So whether you're designing courses for yourself or somebody else or website work or, you know, whatever it is, as long as it's not people facing and you don't have people, um, I guess, asking you the question, then you can be invisible. You can do what you need to do and not have to have uh, those conversations about what you're actually doing. You just have to find what works for you. I'm saying this a lot throughout this whole episode, but it's so true. You need to know where you want to be. This is not decisions that anyone else can make for you. You have to know what your motivation is behind every push and pull that there is. You need to know if you like a lot of communication or guidance or if you prefer freewheeling as well. So if you're doing a job where you're consulting or you're providing a solution or a service for somebody else, you need to know how you want to work with them and how like you have to set the expectation on what you need from them and what they need from you. So that's also something that is worth thinking about. Some people know that they want an end result and they will just say, don't care how I get there, let's get there. Um, I want to feel confident about myself. I want to heal from past relationship trauma. I want to, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like It's so different for the different modalities. On a corporate space, it might be, I want you to assess this project and make sure that we're running on schedule or I want to make sure that this is all working, that all the service providers that we have are all adhering to the set of legislation or I don't know, it can it can present in different ways in different in different spectrums. So it's just about the communication aspect. Like some people will give you the end result and how you get there is up to you. And some people will want to micromanage you every step of the way. And some people want to be micromanaged and some people want to be left alone. So it's just worth knowing where you sit with that. Now um the money thing does also come into this because you have to know what kind of money you want to be making. Like what kind of lifestyle, I guess, is a better way of putting it. What sort of lifestyle would you, is comfortable for you? Because, you know, everyone thinks that everyone wants to be a millionaire, but that's so not true. A lot of people don't like big, you know, ostentatious places, um, that too much space is too much space. Some people like to be smaller and more cozy and, you know, not on a thousand acres in a grand palatial residence. <laughs> So you need to know what kind of lifestyle you're aiming for as well, because on a practical level, we do need to make money. We do need to survive. And it's okay to make money for your family. It's okay to create abundance and all things. And you need to know what you're aiming for. Otherwise, you're never going to know when you get there. That will also dictate uh, a lot about what you do and how you do it. Because again, of that glass ceiling, if you're a one-to-one -one service provider, there's only so much that you can do in a day. And if you have products, you need to know how many of the best-selling product you'd have to sell in order to hit those goals that you have to set up to achieve the lifestyle that you're aiming for. So that knowledge just sets this energetic um, line of breadcrumbs for you to follow to get to where you're going. I like to look at my timeline. So I've got a massive um, piece of paper 
<laughs> and on one side, I've got all of my personal timeline bits and pieces, like little things that I can remember that are significant. Like I nearly died when I was six months old and I went to boarding school when I was seven and my folks got divorced when I was 11. And no, I wasn't. I was nine. And all of those little bits and pieces, like on one side, it's like the whole, you know, I, the the personal stuff, the personal milestones that I can remember that have taken on some aspect of my identity, whether I wanted them to or not. And most of the time is positive, sometimes not so much, but that's okay. And then on the right-hand side, I've got all of my business highs and lows. So um, I've never been fired. I was going to say touch wood, but actually I'm never going to be employed again by anyone else. I don't need to worry about being fired. So I'm going to have my whole career and have having never been fired, which I love actually. I've only just realized that. <laughs> But I've quit a few times and I have, uh, I've achieved awards and I've, I've done the corporate thing and, you know, I've got a couple of kudos there that they don't resonate with me anymore, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. So I list all of those on the right hand side. And then there's a point in my timeline when everything changes, which for me would be 2021. Um, just after my son was born, because then it wasn't about the corporate world in any way, shape or form anymore. It was just about the mediumship. And all of the points that I've listed after that are amazing. They are so, I just don't have the word for it. They're so, they're so precious to me. And it's just really cool to look at everything that you've gone through on both sides, personal and work, and to see what patterns there are there, because those all become part of your story and that's what makes you unique. So it's a really good idea to know, know those and to like have them. You don't need to know every single event, um, but every now and again, you can look back and see how far you've come and how those events have shaped you. And that will help you find your voice, uh, find your place, find your message. So it also sometimes dictates who your perfect client is because what you've been through is not by coincidence. And you can get a lot from that. You can get a lot of information um, based on the people you've had around you and the experiences that you've had with them that will help point you in the direction that you need to go in. I'd written under there as well, um, which of your which of your events or achievements are you most proud of? But I, I don't know how relevant that is now. I must have been thinking at the time that it was um, because of thinking about how precious the all of the milestones have been since I've gone full time in my own business. But I actually feel like when you hit the place that you're meant to hit, those things will all be precious. They'll all be positive because that's how it is for me now. But for you guys who are trying to figure out where you fit in, you're not going to be at that point yet. So it's good to know what you're proud of. Absolutely. But it may not have the same resonance for you just at this point. So hold it in the back of your mind um, and definitely be aware of it. But but remember also that it might not be a now thing. It might be something down the track for you. We've spoken a bit about work values and what is, um, you know, around the people pleasing thing before. I did a podcast episode on that previously. And you need to know what you're negotiable with and what you're not negotiable, uh, not negotiable around <laughs> within your work values, because that dictates a lot about what you go on to do as well. And some of that helps if you look at the best parts of your most recent jobs or projects or ideas. If you look at the best parts, the parts that really light you up, and then you compare them with the parts that were soul destroying for you, you will be able to create an idea of where you're pushed and pulled. And that's something that you can kind of absorb into the tapestry of what you're creating. And the last one I wrote down is also super important, but it's about your money mindset. Because if you're standing in your own way around your relationship with money, you're going to find it really hard to create any kind of a business. So if you have blocks there, and I promise you most of us do, 
it's definitely worth getting on top of those um, first because otherwise it's almost like double handling. Everything that you do has this heavier resonance with it because you're constantly going to be fighting with your inner critic around your money relationship and spending money and justifying spending money on yourself and, and spending time and money on your business. All of those things are necessary, but when your money mindset is damaged, it's like three times as hard to get something done. So I would 100% look at that. Um, I always recommend reading Denise Duffield Thomas uh, from Get Rich Lucky Bitch, the book, or Chilpreneur, the book, or um, I think it's called uh, Money Bootcamp she runs, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, I read one of her books back in my corporate days and it literally changed the way I think about money. So anytime I pick up on someone who's got money blocks, I kind of point them in her direction. Uh, this is completely unaffiliated to her, by the way. Like I am so not in the same league as her. She doesn't know I exist, <laughs> which is fine. She has changed my life through her work. And I just feel like she can make such a huge impact for other people as well because of how profound it was for me. So if you have um, any kind of questions around your money mindset, although we do work on it in in some degree, in quite a big degree on the Empowered Path program, um, a lot of what I implement, I learned from Denise. So indirectly, um, so definitely worth kind of just checking it out. If you think that there might be something there, check it out and see how that presents for you because knowledge is power. So there we have it. I hope that those have, this has been a really long podcast actually, but I hope that has ad added value to you. I hope that's helped you. Um, I think sometimes it's really good to listen to these things and make a list as you go, but I probably should have said that at the beginning and not 40 minutes into a podcast. <laughs> so... I guess, yeah, use those to decide where you need to go. And then remember also that sometimes what you're going to create doesn't exist yet because you need to be the person who creates it. So don't feel like you need to niche yourself or don't limit yourself. There's no box that you have to fit into. Anything is possible and anything is probable. So give yourself permission to be a little bit different. I will leave you there. Thank you very much for joining me again on this week's episode and I will catch you next week. Have a beautiful week, guys. Thank you.